Thank you, Pastor Chase. Thank you very much. Thank you for coming to church today. It's a really good day to be here. Hey, if you were a kid, first or sixth grade, you can be dismissed. Head towards the glass doors. Hang a left. Mr. Louie will meet you out there. As always, we want to pray for uh, Pastor Stan. First, I want to tell you something uh, really cool that happened. So Pastor Chase was talking about opening the zone, which we've been kind of waiting for the schools to get to where they're going to be in every day. And K-5 and Q&A is in every day, so we're going forward with it. It's going to be awesome. But we, need some, we have needed some computers for our homework room. If you don't know how it works, we uh, have a room back in the kids' church room that's quiet. There's a, a paid staff room member in there that helps them with their homework, those kinds of things. But if you have kids, you also know that these days you got to have a computer almost to do the stuff. you got to get on there to get your assignments. A lot of stuff they have to do actually online. So we needed some computers for that. We've been trying to work it into our budget because the zone subsists completely on grants. It's a whole separate uh, 501c3, separate organization from the church. So we've been trying to figure out a way to do it. And uh, I've been talking to the city of CUNA a little bit about it. And they've helped us in the past. And I called them this last week and, and I said, hey, we're going to restart the zone. We'd like to get some computers, just, you know, nothing too fancy, $250 each. And like five of them would be great. And she said, oh, well, I'll take it to our, to our board and our meeting and um, we'll see what we can do. So she called me back the next day and she said, how many computers did you say you needed? I said, five. She goes, well, we think 10 would be better. And we were like, great. So she said, also... Uh, we can spend more than $250. So anyway, they're buying us 10 really nice computers. They're on their way. And those are going to be homework rooms. So it is an awesome thing. Just uh, a way we get to be a light to our community. We're excited about it. Uh, Pastor Shane is up elk hunting. And we always pray for him to be safe and also to get a big elk, right? Because God gives us the desires of our heart according to his will. And we believe it's his will for Pastor Shane. So uh, would you bow your heads with me as we just pray over our pastor this morning? Lord, thank you. For my pastor, Pastor Stan, I thank you uh, for the man of God that he is. Lord, I pray you'd be with him this morning on that mountain. Lord, you'd speak to his heart deeply. Uh, you'd let him have your peace and your presence with him. I, I pray you would speak new things into his heart even. I pray you would guide him towards a big elk. Lord, I pray he'd have an incredible time up there, that you let your angels be around him, keep him safe up there in the wilderness. Uh, I pray you'd just fill him overflowing with your presence. Thank you for the man he is, my pastor and my friend. And I pray you'd be with him. Uh, today, bring him back to us safely, Lord. Praise things in your name. Amen. 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 It's an honor to speak to you today. For me, uh, it's always been a sacred privilege to speak or, or be a part of worship. Uh, to be a part of someone's spiritual journey in any way, to me, is just an honor. Um, I've been going to church since I was little, little tiny, and I remember the effect it had on me as I was growing up and uh, as an adult, and I'm just grateful for the chance to be uh, part of it with you at all. I'm grateful to Zach and Lauren for leading worship today. Um, that's what I usually do on Sundays if you're new, but I got to play bass today, which is cool for me because it was my first instrument and, and playing bass. How many of you have a thing in your life just the first time you did it, you're like, I know how to do this, right? It was just in there. Playing bass was that way for me. I had never played an instrument. I, was, I think I was 22 and someone handed me one and explained how it worked. And I just immediately, I realized that it was something that I knew how to do. It's awesome when you find something that God put in there. Uh, so it was fun to get to do that today, uh, just be a part of worship in a different way. Um, today, I'm going to stay kind of generally in the same direction as Pastor Stan has been. He's been talking the last several weeks about tendencies, tendencies that we have in our life. He's touched on some tendencies we can have in our life. For example, the tendency to think life isn't fair. Uh, that was the Haas Not Happy one where he had Haas from the 70s TV show. Uh, last week he talked about understanding that we are a product of our choices, but that even if we've made some we aren't proud of uh, or led us somewhere that we'd rather not be, there's hope for that. And he used the story of the demoniac uh, in Decapolis, which is really cool for me because I've been reading a book about that story. So that was awesome. I want to talk to you specifically today about being intentional. Being intentional. The Bible uses a phrase called numbering our days, numbering our days. Uh, it says in Psalm uh, chapter 90, verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Remember that getting a heart of wisdom part, it's important. I believe when we're serving God, there are no ordinary days because every one of them is made by him. Well, do you believe that? Every day is made by him. But if we aren't careful, friends, we can get caught up in the everyday comings and goings of our lives, and before we know it, a year has passed, or five years has passed, or 10 years has passed. I had a meeting this past week with a guy. This is especially happening this year. I had a meeting this past week with a guy, and I had met with him previously. 
like in March, and I said, the last time we met was like a year ago, and March feels like a year ago from now, in this year, (laughs) in this specific year, but it had only been, you know, 10 months or whatever, less than that. Uh, But if we're not careful, the year will pass us by, right? Uh, Do we have anyone in here who is really regimented? You just have a routine and a habit for everything. Anyone who's just like, man, you've got it down. A few of you are willing to admit it. Uh, Do a few... We have anyone here who's the opposite, who you just take life as it comes and just whatever. A few of you are somewhere in between. Cheers. I appreciate that, Scott. That's kind of the way that I am. Uh, I'm actually not super regimented. I don't uh, get everything down, um, down, you know, to the minute or the second. Pastor Shannon is that way. He comes in every Monday, the same morning, works on his message to a certain amount of time, comes to staff meeting, goes back, finishes it, sends the email with the notes out to us at the same time. I mean, he just, he has it down. That's the way he's wired. Um, I'm, I'm a ways away from that, uh, my, which each are good, right? My boys, I have John four, who's seven and my son, Luke, who's five. They're also complete opposites. John is, he can kind of go with the flow. He's pretty calm most of the time. Luke is on the other side of that. And, uh, you can see it in the way when something bad happens to him, right? So John, you know, kids get bloody noses. The other day I was driving to, we were going to pick Luke up from daycare and I had John with me and he sneezed and... He said, Dad, I think I have a bloody nose. And I turned around, and he had his hand on his face, and just blood everywhere, all over, on his, on his book, and all over him. And I said, yeah, but I think you do. And we pulled over, got him taken care of. Luke, if one drop of blood comes out of his nose, you are going to know about it. Like, the whole block will know about it. <laughs> it's a big deal, right? And that's just the way he's made. And that's the way John Ford's made. And there's both of those extremes, and there's everything in the middle. Uh, like I said, I'm, I more can go with the flow, uh, that's just the way that I am. Um, but even for someone like me, I can get into habits if I do the, the same job over and over again. Uh, if you're here with your spouse, you might be thinking of habits they get into that we think are funny. Like Pastor Stan says, they're funny when you're dating, but when you get married, they're not as funny anymore. You might be thinking of elbowing them. I would encourage you not to do that. This is not about them today. Um, we all get into habits, even if you're like me, not really driven by them, that rule our days, especially if we've been living in the same place or doing the same job for a long time. Pastor Stan mentioned last week that uh, my family and I, we've been here at this church for 11 years, been working at this church for 11 years, which is an honor. It's an incredible thing. Been leading worship here for 48 or 50 Sundays a year, depending on how many I miss during the year for vacation or whatever, for 11 years. That's more than 500 Sundays. So 500 Sundays I've walked into this place unlock the doors, done the thing that I was to do. And Pastor Stan, he's been here, you know, 25 years. He's probably done a thousand Sundays. You, uh, even though I'm not necessarily big into habits and, and dialing it all in, if you do something long enough, you get into habits, right? If you do something long enough, you get into habits. I've totally got some for Sundays. One habit I have, I picked it up pretty early is I always drink the same tea on Saturday night and Sunday morning. Uh, there's this tea called throat coat. It's really good for your throat. Uh, helps you sing and helps it feel better. So I always drink this, this tea. I come here. It's in the kitchen. I put my water in the mug. I put it in the microwave for two minutes and 45 seconds. And I put the tea bag in there and I walk around and I do the things I do on Saturday night. And uh, that's just the habit that I've gotten into. Um, as the church has grown and the, and the scope of what we do with worship and tech and streaming is grown. I've gained a few more habits just because there's a ton of stuff I had to do. So I've offloaded some stuff to some people and I've had to get pretty specific about what I do on Sunday mornings to make sure I get it all done. Um, I actually forgot a thing last night that I needed to do for my wife for her kids class I was doing between services. Should have had a better habit about that, I guess. Uh, anyway, for example, uh, every Saturday night, just about, I come and I hang these are called in-ears. These are the things we used to hear the band here self sing. I take them off uh, and I leave them Saturday night, hang them on the mic stand right here. And I put them there so that way I know right where they are in the morning because it's one of the first things that we grab. I hang them on the mic stand. I bring my guitars down. I put them on this guitar stand over here because guitars, depending on the room they're in and the heat and the AC, uh, they need to get used to it so they'll stay in tune better. So I bring them down so they are used to this room overnight. Believe it or not, it does make a difference. You know, it might sound erotic to you, but it absolutely makes a difference. Um, I put my church keys in my back left pocket. Right here. Every time. Back left pocket. Uh, every time. So if someone needs something on Sunday morning, I know where they are real quick. I can hand them to them and they can go get into uh, a room or whatever. Back left pocket because uh, we have our in-ear pack in my right pocket. Like that's just the way I do it. I didn't do that at first, but 11 years into it, that's just what I do. Last week though, my process failed me. First time 
500 Sundays, my process filled me. I got, so what I do is I finish worship, do the announcements, sit there and make sure Pastor Shane doesn't need anything. Uh, then I go in the back and I say hi to my wife, who's usually back there. She's up there with the toddlers today. Uh, go say hi to my wife. I check in with Kids Church. I look in on the nursery, which is what I've started doing since I got here 11 years ago. Just make sure everything's good. Um, walk arounds. I go upstairs to check on the little kids up there. I check on the tech guys. You guys can show that picture for me, Teresa, if you don't mind. So this is one side of my office. Um, that's uh, where the stream happens. So there's the audio part there. There's the video part there. See Travis and Leo there. Um, so anytime you watch on Facebook or YouTube, that's where all of that comes from. Just fun to see the process. Wanted you, get you, wanted you to see a picture of how much goes into that. Those guys, Leo usually beats me here, and Matt does it when he beats when he does it on Sundays, he beats me here. But I go up there, I check on those guys. There's a lot going on. That's what I wanted you to see in that picture. I check on them, make sure they don't need anything from me. I come down about 10, 15. Sometimes I'm carrying my acoustic guitar because sometimes I forget to bring it down. Um, I get my soda out of the fridge that I put in there because I don't drink coffee on Sunday mornings, but I drink some soda. So I get my soda out of the fridge. I open it between, between 10, 20 and 10, 25, take a couple of sips. I'm telling you, 11 years in, even though I'm not big into habits, I got habits. <laughs> Right? So I take a couple sips. I set it down. Usually in the info booth, I go in there and I go to the bathroom. For the first time in 500 Sundays last week, I was not ready to come up here when Pastor Stan wanted me to because I was still in the bathroom. He got done early, right? He got done earlier than he's ever gotten done, and I was in there. And uh, I came out, and Pastor Chris was holding my in-ear thing for me, and Pastor Chase was up here playing guitar. I was like, what happened? What time is it, right? (laughs) Like messed up my whole thing. And he had ended early, and I told him afterwards, I was like, man, I'm sorry. I didn't know you were going to end that early. He's like, oh, I thought you planned it that way. So I should have never said anything to him. He would have never known until I admitted it to you this week. Point is, you do something long enough, you get into habits. Even if they help you, they can also hurt you, right? You get to do the same thing long enough, you start to miss stuff. Um, I'm sure each of you are silently analyzing your daily routines right now, right? You're thinking, man, do I do things I need to change? But the reality is that those change all the time, depending on your living situation or your kid's school or your work situation or whatever. The idea, though, of numbering our days is to be intentional about every day, but also not to get into so much of a routine that we take the beauty out of it. Uh, You can be like me and not be intentional enough sometimes and you miss stuff, or you can be so regimented that you miss the awesome stuff that God has out there because you're so busy doing your process. Uh, the Hebrew word is interesting for that word number. Uh, the, word, the Hebrew word for number means to appoint or assign. So you are assigning a task to your days. You're assigning them. You're being on purpose about them. It can also mean the phrase, uh, like the phrase counting the children. That word that they, that's translated in, that, in the New Testament can mean like counting the children. You know, for example, if you're out with your kids in a busy place, you're always counting them, making sure that you know right where they are because you love them and you want them to be safe. Right? We went to the farmstead a couple of Saturdays ago, and there was like 5,000 people there. And you can be sure we were just counting their little heads all the time, making sure they were close by. It's not hard with John because he wants to be by you all the time. Luke, you never know where he might go. He could be off petting a pig or something. You just would have no idea. Um, but you love them. You want them to be safe, so you count them. right? And it's the same way with our days. Our days are important to us, so we count them. We pay attention to them. We want to number them, do them on purpose. Like I said, if you go with the flow like me, you've got to be careful not to let, let life pass you by. If you've got a plan for every second, you've got to take a step back sometimes. Because gaining a heart of wisdom is something that never stops. This is all over the book of Proverbs. I encourage you, if you've never read Proverbs, to take a look at it. Ah, man, read a chapter a night. It'll take you two minutes. Um, it's just, you'll read a bunch of stuff in there that you're like, I didn't know that was in the Bible. Because people just use it as motivational sayings. A bunch of that stuff is from Proverbs. It tells us this in... in uh, Proverbs 4, verse 7, wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Though it costs all you have, get wisdom and understanding. So we number our days and it helps us get wisdom. And wisdom is the thing to get. God says in Proverbs, you got to get wisdom. Something we try and find at any cost every day of our life and the way we get it is by numbering our days. Our habits, friends, also tend to prove what's important to us. Doing one thing one time doesn't mean anything, right? I can pick up a guitar and play it, strum one chord and say, I'm a guitar player. It doesn't work that way, right? Uh, doing something regularly can uh, make you something. There's bigger picture habits and tendencies that say a lot more about us and affect those around us. The question we got to ask is, 
you know, what do my habits at home communicate to my wife and kids? What do my habits in my daily life communicate to God about what I think about him and to others? This morning, I want to take a look at some of the habits that Jesus had when he was on earth and ask an important question. How can I be intentional in my habits in everyday life? And how can I number my days? I hope you notice I always try to say I and we, including myself in the equation, because it's a journey we're walking together, you know. Number one is this, Jesus embraced questions. Uh, Let's read together. This is our main scripture today, Luke chapter 2, verse 41 through 52. They've got it on the screen up there, I believe. I'm reading out of the NIV. Every year, this is Jesus we're talking about. Every year, his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. Remember that for later. He was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. We set this up for you a little bit. His family had gone to Jerusalem from Nazareth for the Passover feast. The distance is about 65 miles as the crow flies. Uh, from what I read this week, about a four to seven day journey on foot as they would have done it, whichever route they were taking. It was four to seven days of walking. So they were there for the feast. Somehow they managed to leave their son Jesus there and they didn't realize it for a whole day. I don't know how the traveling parties work, but somehow they left their 12 year old at the feast and they took off. They realized that after they'd been traveling for a day, had to travel back a day and then it took them a whole day to find him. They lost their 12-year-old for three days. And by the way, it was the son of God. So if you've got a kid that sometimes it's hard to keep track of, there's probably grace for you today, right? I mean, Jesus' parents lost him for three days. Sometimes things happen. When they did find him, he was doing something amazing. He was sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Jesus, the son of God, was sitting among the religious teachers, asking them questions. Let's think about this for a moment. This is the literal son of God taking time to listen and learn from earthly biblical teachers. You know, no one can know until we get to heaven what Jesus knew and what he did to that point. The Bible says he was fully God and fully man, but who knows how that looked at 12? You know, could he, you know, use a miracle to do his chores? I don't really know how that worked. I look forward to finding out. It does say that Jesus was different and that at 12 12 years old, what he was saying was astounding to them. Yet he was still there asking him questions. There are a couple things we can learn from Jesus' actions specifically in this passage, I think, that speak clearly to where we are today. One of them is this. Jesus understood that there was a difference between opinions and wise counsel. Jesus understood there's a difference between opinions and wise counsel. This is a distinction, friends, I think we get confused with in the world we live in. There's a lot of people that say they're authority on something when it's actually an opinion. You can find someone to validate just about any opinion you want about any subject you want, right? You can find anyone to say whatever sports team is the best one in the universe, and they can argue you with logic. You can find someone to say the moon landing is fake. You can find someone that will say the world is flat. You can find anyone that will say anything to you, especially online these days, right? You might not need me to tell you, but it bears repeating out everything you find on Google or anywhere online is the truth. Like, you feel like you don't need to say it, but then you see some people online, you're like, maybe I do need to say it, right? There's good information out there, but friends, I want to tell you this. If it doesn't line up with what scripture says in this book, it's not true. When it comes to the things of God in all of the hard questions our society and our kids are grappling with, if it's not in here, it's not true. A simple example uh, is this. Um, like I said, you work for someone for 11 years. You start to know some stuff. I've worked for Pastor Stan for 11 years. 
Pastor Stan's really good with like engines and cars and stuff. Um, I'm pretty decent with computers. So if you have a problem with your car and you come ask me, I might be able to stay afloat in the conversation for two minutes. Right? I can talk about check engine lights and yeah, your tires look okay. And you know, if I wanted to, I could say, yeah, try these 25 things, but I have no idea. Right? Maybe if I fixed the specific thing before, I really don't know. But I can point you to Pastor Stan and say, hey, this guy's got some wisdom on this issue. He'll do the same thing with computers. It might take me two minutes to check out the conversation when it comes to fixing your car. It'll take him two seconds with the computer. You ask him. He'll just, like, his eyes will glaze over. He'll say, go talk to John. Right? He's not going to try. That's one thing he's learned. It's the thing he doesn't know about. He can give you opinions about computers. They probably wouldn't be that great because I just spy his forum. I can give you my opinions about engines and those kinds of things. Probably wouldn't be that great because I don't work on them, right? There's a difference between opinion and wisdom. There's only one source when it comes to wisdom and the things of God, and it's in the Bible. It is. Jesus didn't have a know-it-all attitude. You know, if anyone had a right to have a know-it-all attitude when it came to the things of God and Scripture, it would have been him. Right? The Son of God, fully God, fully man on earth. It would have been him that had a right. But here he was sitting in the temple listening to the teachers. He's a son of God, but somehow inside of him, he knew there was something he could still learn. Jesus knew there was something he could still learn on earth. If we're honest, this is, is a temptation for all of us, right? To feel like we've arrived in our knowledge of something about our workplace or or hobbies, or even the things of God, or politics, or, or whatever. But there's always more we can learn. Do we have any Star Wars fans? Anybody at all? So my boys were watching The Phantom Menace, which I know is not everyone's favorite, but they're underwater, and they're in the little ship, uh, Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan and Jar Jar Binks, right? We shouldn't speak of Jar Jar Binks, because apparently he's not a cool Star Wars character, but my boys love him, I'll tell you that. <laughs> they're, they're underwater, and this big fish comes out and grabs the back of the, their submarine, and they think they're in trouble, and then a big giant fish comes and eats that fish off. And Qui-Gon Jinn says to Obi-Wan, there's always a bigger fish. <laughs> Friends, there's always someone that knows more than you know. There is. There's always someone that knows more than you know. More than that, there's always more in here that you haven't found. Um, I've probably read um, Proverbs and Psalms, and I've read them dozens of times over my life, and I discover, or the course of my life, and I discover new things every time. There's always more in there. God has more stuff for us. Though if we have a know-it-all attitude, sometimes we can miss it. Uh, Especially when it comes to the things of God in our spiritual life, questions are healthy as long as they lead us to God. You'll hear a lot of people that say, hey, question everything you learn about church and God and Jesus, but they never actually go try and find the answer. The questions are healthy. Your kids' questions are healthy. Yours are healthy if they lead you to God. Proverbs 25.2 says this. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. Let that sink in. There's some mystery when it comes to God. It's his glory to conceal a matter if he wants to. In fact, one of the Greek words for miracle in the New Testament is mysterion. There's mystery involved in all that was happening in the New Testament. But it's one of our highest honors, honors to see a mystery and to seek it out. Let that sink in. Uh, we're not supposed to just go with the flow and take whatever, you know, someone says to us. It's one of our highest honors to seek out the mysteries of God. Here's what Jesus did. Jesus applied truth to the questions. Verse 47 of that passage we just read in Luke says this. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. He was already applying what he was learning at age 12. Jesus applied what he knew of God's word to the questions that were being asked. He'll say it again. Questions are healthy when they lead us to God. And when we're willing to press into his word, we don't have to be afraid of the answers we'll find. If your kids have questions about everything they're hearing at school and all that stuff, uh, they don't have to be worried about the answers. You don't have to worry, be worried about the answers they'll find in here. Uh, one thing we can take from this passage in Luke is that even though Jesus was only 12, he still amazed the teachers with what he knew. At 12 years old, he was able to amaze them with what he knew. Um, he was asking questions there, so he understood there was more he needed to know, but he also was able to apply what he had learned in only his 12 years on earth. This tells us, I believe, that we don't have to have been a Christian for decades or have a degree in theology to answer hard questions, to ask or answer hard questions. You see, the truth 
is here in the word of God, whether you've known him for 10 minutes, 10 days, or 100 years. It's the way it is. The beauty is in the tension of finding those answers. And there being some mystery. If we know everything about God, he's not as big as we thought, right? I've heard Pastor Stan say that before. If you've got him all figured out, he's not as big as he thought he was. I read a phrase this week. uh, The more spiritual we are, the more practical we become. The more spiritual we are, the more practical we become. When we are really applying the word of God, it doesn't mean we're able to talk more spiritually. It means we are able to live in a practical way. When we're applying the word of God, it means we're able to live in a practical way. Often that just means applying the fruit of the spirit for a start. Galatians 5, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. It means living that when it's not easy to do, like pretty much all this entire year, right? I think we've all run into some stuff where it's not easy to have love, joy, peace, and patience and kindness, especially the patience part if you're doing homeschool with uh, little kids, right? So we number our days and we do them intentionally like Jesus did when we embrace questions, but also pursue answers. I can't encourage you enough, friends, if you've got kids who have questions, lean into them and find those answers with them. Number two is this. Jesus had a spiritual rhythm. Um, Jesus worked into his life moments when he came together with others to worship and to pray, hear scripture taught, spend time with others who believed in God. And you're here doing that today. He set a rhythm in his life spiritually. And a rhythm is just something that repeats over and over in music. We use a metronome to keep everyone exactly in time. And if you heard uh, the metronome that we use, you would hear if the, the song is in 4-4, you'd hear there's a higher beep at the beginning of each measure. So if you get lost, you know where the beginning is. It beeps four times, then it goes back to the beginning. It beeps four times, then it goes back to the beginning. Or if our physical heart is working correctly, it's beating in rhythm over and over and over, right? And if it skips a beat, then you got a problem. Then you go to the hospital, right? That's what a rhythm is. Luke 4.16 gives us a clue as to Jesus' habit. It says this, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. It was Jesus' custom to go to the synagogue. So Jesus, who is the whole reason we do church, that's why we're here today, he went to church regularly when he was on earth. Jesus, who is the reason we do church, also went to church when, we were on earth, when he was on earth. But I think it's important to not just see Jesus as checking the church box. Uh, more importantly, I think he was establishing spiritual patterns and habits into his life. You see, everyone will get into habits and patterns in their lives like we talked about earlier. The only question is whether the habits happen to us or we happen to the habits. They're in charge of you or you're in charge of them. Even habits that start out with right and good intentions and are helpful at first, they often need some adjustment here and there, kind of like my Sunday morning routine from last week. And I pretty much got that thing down, but now I've got to adjust it, right? Got to make sure Pastor Stan's not getting done at 1030. Similar to anything else in life, uh, but I want to say this. Instead of waiting for a chance or the perfect opportunity to connect with God, we have to deliberately establish a pattern. If we wait for the chance to appear out of nowhere, it's probably not going to happen. Um, similar to the rest of our life, uh, do we have anyone here who has a honey-do list at home? Anybody have a honey-do list? My hand would be raised. Does anyone have a completed honey-do list? Nothing on it. I figured there would be someone. Pastor Stan probably has nothing on his, actually. Uh, my wife can tell you this sort of thing uh, happens to me at home with the occasional project. She'll tell you that in an emergency, like I'm the guy you want to have around. Man, if something breaks on the car or the house or with the computer, like I'm the guy. I'll get in there and I'll figure out what happened and I'll figure out a process to fix it. And I'll call someone if I need to call one. I'll order parts. I'll just like I'll fix that thing. I hate it when a thing is messing with you know, the flow of our daily life. But if something happens and uh, it's not that big of a deal and it goes on a list, sometimes I'm not as quick to fix it as I could be. For example, uh, you know, you have a, a, a hot water heater in your house. If you have a regular one like we do, it's got this pressure tank on the top of it. It's this little tank thing I didn't even know existed until about seven years ago when something happened to ours. We had gone out of town for summer camp. 
I believe it was John, John had just been born, and for some reason I had come down on my own, and Chandra and John Four, he was like six or eight weeks old, they were going to come down the day after, or the next day. I got down here like 2.30 in the morning, I think because I had church the next day, actually. It was a Saturday. I came down, I got here at 2.30 in the morning, walked inside, knowing I was going to have to be here at 6. Uh, 2.30 in the morning, I walked inside, and I heard the dreaded water running sound, right? <laughs> you walk into your house, and you're like, that water should not be on. If you've got little kids, you know, they might have just turned it on. But I, no one had been there, and I was like, that's weird. So I'm hunting around the house, trying to find where the water is. Couldn't find it. Finally went in the garage, and that pressure tank that's sitting on top of it had, had burst a hole, and it was shooting at the sheetrock. And I don't know how long it had been that way, but the sheetrock behind it was wrecked. And again, 2.30 in the morning. I've been at camp all week. I was tired. So I hunted around uh, until I found the way to shut off the water in my house, collapsed into bed, went and did church the next day, went home, took that thing off, took it to Lowe's, and was like, this is broken. And they helped me find the right one and gave me what I needed. Went home, fixed it all in time for my wife and and John Ford to get home. And uh, I was like excited that I warded off this huge emergency, right? If you've got a six or eight week old baby, you need to have some water in the house. The she-rock still isn't fixed though. <laughs> Put that out of my mind, right? I mean, I've had people that were supposed to come help me fix it and they didn't show up or whatever. It was an emergency and I took care of it. The she-rock, it's not an emergency, right? I hope you're laughing because you've been there before and I'm not the only one. <laughs> But isn't that the way we treat our relationship with God sometimes? I know I've done it, right? If it's an emergency, if life is really hard, we can get really good at spending time with God, right? We've got stuff that's just weighing on us, giving us anxiety. We'll wake up and we'll pray. And we'll listen to worship music throughout the day. And we'll, we'll pray to God and we'll write in a journal. We'll celebrate when he answers requests. And we'll read before bed. We'll plant the word of God in our heart. But when things get easier again, probably because God hears our desperate prayers and moves on our behalf, and we're back to when I have time mode. Again, I'm saying we to myself. Can I just encourage you, friends, to follow the example that Jesus gave us and set a rhythm when it comes to your spiritual life in a few ways? Again, he went to the synagogue as was his custom. By spending time regularly reading the Bible, uh, it means different things for everybody, but it matters that you do it regularly. Jesus gave the word of God the highest place in his heart. If you read through the Gospels, it's evident that Jesus knew the Old Testament well, which is a scripture he had access to, especially the Pentateuch, the first five books. He probably had those memorized, like a lot of people that had been involved in religion in those days. When Jesus was tempted by Satan in Matthew chapter 4, he responded in every case with scripture. Right? If you go read that, when he takes Jesus up high and says he'll give him the whole city, Jesus responded by quoting scripture every single time. One thing, friends, that can keep us from numbering our days is anxiety and sleeplessness. If you're anxious and exhausted, you're just hoping to survive the day, right? And you're, not, you're not numbering anything. But if that's something with you struggle with, that you struggle with, my first advice to you would be to read the Word of God before you sleep, even if it's just the tiniest bit. And I can tell you there's been seasons in my life when that has been a game changer for me. When nothing else makes sense but... Um, Psalm 91 or Psalm 103 feel like my only friends. The word of God could be that for you, friends. Remember that the voice of the Holy Spirit will never contradict the Bible. Ever, ever. And the more of it we have hidden in our hearts, the better chance we have sniffing out stuff that isn't true immediately because there's stuff out there that isn't true. I encourage you, friends, find a space for worship in your life on a daily basis. And I'm, I mean like uh, worship in song. Uh, we live in a time now where, and there's so much good worship music out there. Uh, I have people all the time ask me, what, what, wait, why don't you sing uh, fill in the blank song? And it's an okay song, but there are like so many good songs and then you only have so much time, right? There's so much good worship music out there. You can find something that will speak to you. It's easier than it's ever been. Uh, there's Apple Music, which that happens to be the one that I use. Uh, Spotify and YouTube and the radio are all great. But you still got to do it with intention. You got to turn off the other music sometimes and put on some stuff that's good and that God can speak through. Uh, find a space for worship in your life on a daily basis. Uh, make space to talk and, and to reflect with others who are walking the Christian walk with you. Of course, by making it a habit to be at church, you're here. So that's preaching to the choir a little bit. We're glad you were here today. We wouldn't do church like we do every Sunday and Wednesday if we didn't think it was valuable. 
But also I encourage you, find some other ways. Get involved in one of our life groups. If that works for you, meet with some friends at a coffee shop on a regular basis. Get a text message thread going. Whatever it is that will help you uh, spur some discussion in your heart and in your mind about what God is doing in you. Find some people you can be honest with. And uh, talk to some people who are walking the Christian walk right alongside you. You know, inevitably someone who would hear me say this, and they would probably say to you that being intentional like this about your walk with God would make you, make you too religious or inauthentic, right? That's the buzzword we hear. Well, that's, I don't like religion. I believe in Jesus, but not religion. And I understand where they're coming from. But anyone who says that probably appreciates their workplace being intentional about getting them their paycheck at the same time every two weeks. Like, we're pretty glad they do that when they say they're going to do it, right? I think it's actually the opposite uh, of what we think sometimes. The things that we are intentional about are the ones that matter the most to us. Say that to you again. The things we are intentional about are the ones that matter the most to us. You know, as you go through um, the weeks and months and years of your life, you'll probably have to analyze your routine and change it as things in your life change. After all, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, for all things, there is a season. Life changes. Pastor Chase was talking first service during announcements about how they have a toddler and they're not sleeping much. And man, I remember those days. We had, both of our boys were terrible sleepers and I did not sleep much at all for three or four years because they're a couple years apart. Um, And when I finally did, it was glorious. But I'll tell you what, um, it was like a challenge to find times to read the word of God when I wasn't and not be totally exhausted. You're not, when you're not sleeping, right? But for all things, there is a season. Now they sleep, and I can carve out some time, and it's great. Uh, just be willing to change it as your life changes. We don't plan the beauty out of our life, but we do live it with purpose. We don't plan the beauty out of our life, but we do live it with purpose. So we number our days by setting a spiritual rhythm to our lives, just as Jesus did. Number three, Jesus submitted to authority. Jesus submitted to authority. You know, Jesus actually did the opposite of what oftentimes our first reaction is, which is to tell others what to do. I know I can be guilty of it when someone has an issue. Oh, here's what you should do to fix that problem. We've gotten to the point where we think it gives us a measure of status to have authority over someone. Authority doesn't actually equal status all the time, though. Having authority is absolutely an honor, but it's also a heavy, heavy responsibility. The more authority we have, the heavier the burden. And some of us, some of you in your life get it. It's an honor to have it, but it's a heavy burden. But Jesus actually did the opposite of demand authority, even though he could have had whatever authority he wanted. That's also all over the New Testament. Jesus could have called a host of angels to help him at any time, even on the cross. But Jesus uh, submitted to authority with his parents. Uh, with that passage, passage we just read a little bit ago, after his parents finally tracked him down after three days, and we're like, what in the world are you doing, son? He wanted to stay there and continue learning, but they want him to go home. Verse 51 says, then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. He wanted to stay where he was, but instead he went with his parents like they asked him to do. In John chapter 2, in Jesus' first recorded miracle, he actually did it because his mother brought it to his attention. He turned water into wine, and they'd run out of wine at the wedding, and weddings were a big week-long deal then, and they'd run out, and his mother brought it to his attention, and that's why he did it. He submitted to other earthly authorities. Matthew chapter 22, 15 through 22 is what we're going to read right now. Verse 15, then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius, and he asked them, Whose image is this? And whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, So give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. You know, maybe just because of the climate we're in and the election about to happen all that stuff, it kind of sounds like they were trying to trap him in a political discussion. And I love that he had a logical thing to, to shut him down. Um, But, uh, and we don't need to camp there about politics because we've had enough political stuff the last lifetime over the last little while. But I encourage you to do what Jesus did. He also found some common ground with them, right? You have to pay taxes. I have to pay taxes. 
give them their taxes. Right? I encourage you as you enter into discussions with people over the next several days to meditate on how Jesus responded in this situation. In this one, like I said, Jesus was able to find some common ground. And as much as we sometimes don't like it, uh, this example uh, Jesus sets extends to other authorities that have been put in place over us. That was the government of the time. Pastor Shan has quoted this verse dozens of times over the years that I've been here, and it's come up multiple times in our conversations lately. Uh, him, his in mind and with other people. Romans 13, uh, verses 1 and 2. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. Amen. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Verse 2, consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Pretty simply, God has established the governing authority, and we are to obey them. I kind of wish he would have qualified it a little bit, though, right? Like, he's established the authorities, and the ones that you agree with, go ahead and obey those. The ones you don't, kind of do your own thing. I think I would like that a little bit better, but that's not what it says, right? It also says when we don't uh, obey the authorities put uh, over us, there's often consequences that we have to pay. I have to admit, when I first decided a couple weeks ago this was going to be one of my points, I didn't realize it was going to be the last Sunday before election day. So I'm not trying to give you a big voting thing or whatever, but we're supposed to obey the authorities put uh, in place over us, and that's what it says, period, end of sentence. Personally, I don't like it all the time, but that's what it says. Uh, the Bible actually also tells us to pray for those in authority first in First Timothy, and it doesn't qualify it. It doesn't qualify it. Pray for the people that you like, you know, pray fire and brimstone on the ones you don't like. It doesn't say that, right? It says pray for those in authority. It says if you want a peaceful life, to pray for those in authority. Man, no matter who it is, I encourage you to go read that. It's a concept that we've got to learn, and we've also got to teach it, submitting to authority, especially if you've got kids. There was a period of time where I had to teach my son, John, who's seven now, uh, the concept of the speed limit. Um, and it, not that he like drives a car and goes over the speed limit. He's not there yet. It's not, not where I'm going. But uh, John, I think he's about five. He, he's always loved like police cars. He says he wants to be a policeman. And when he was very little, whenever we'd hear a police siren, he would say, Daddy, is someone going feeding? I mean, going speeding, you know. And uh, I would probably, you know, they're going to get pulled over. He just loved seeing people pulled over and the policeman at their window. I thought that was the greatest thing. Ever. Just grateful it wasn't me. I've passed those days having run-ins with the, uh, the speed police, but um, hopefully. I probably just jinxed myself by saying that. But um, So eventually, though, he started to realize there's numbers on the speedometer that the needle never hits, right? And so he wanted to get somewhere faster. Daddy, why can't he would say, uh, Daddy, go up to 100. Go up to 100. And, you know, I'm not trying to explain logic to him why that's a bad idea on this road, son. And our 2003 Yukon is probably not a great idea. But he'd say he'd want us to beat mommy home or he'd want us to catch up to the other car with the dog in it. Well, daddy, just go faster. And I had to explain to him, right? But yeah, there, we could technically go faster, but there's rules. The speed limit is 55, right? Um, can I submit to you today, friends, that it's our job to teach our kids to respect authority even if... We don't like it because for sure there's times when I'd rather not go 55. I'd rather go 75, which probably would be plenty safe, and get home, right? But uh, I don't get to decide what the rule is. I don't get to decide what the authority is. Um, I'd like to say to you that even though our kids, people around us hear what we say, they learn much more by what we do. I can say, son, when you drive, you have to go 55 all day long. But if he watches me go 65 or 70 instead for my whole life, Guess what he's going to do when he gets his driver's license, right? If I tell my boys they always have to wear a seatbelt because it's the law, but then I don't wear mine, I'm putting doubt into their minds, right, as to what I actually believe. And when they have the chance, they're probably going to do what I showed them and not what I told them. Right now, the big thing is cell phones, right? In Idaho, they made, just made a law. You can't pick up your phone while you're in the car, which can be hard, right, especially at a light. Seems like you should be able to pick it up at at light, but that's the law. I've got to teach them now that they can't pick that thing up while they're driving. I have to teach them now, right? And I can say, tell them blue in the face, don't look at your phone while you're driving, but the thing I can't do is pick it up right now because they're watching every move, right? 
They learn from what, more what we do than what we say. I had a moment when I was a teenager where this concept of respecting earthly authority became very clear to me. Pastor Stan told a story from when he was on a, a Mexico missions trip a couple of Wednesdays ago, if you were here. And I told him I was going to tell uh, my story from one of those. Uh, as we're, we're almost done here, but um, I actually had kind of forgotten about it until then. Pastor Stan, if you weren't here, he told this story about how they were in Mexico and they were walking across the border. And one of his friends had bought a switchblade in Mexico and they were going to put it through the conveyor belts, but they would have got caught because it was an x-ray machine. So Pastor Stan took it, stuck it in his pants. Walked through, and everything was fine. Never got caught. I have a similar story, except we weren't nearly as successful. <laughs> I hear my parents laughing back there. They probably remember this. Clearly, we were on a Mexico mission trip. The mission trip was over, and for some reason, we'd gone back to the United States, walked over the border to do some, like, shopping. And for some reason, my friend Tim and I, we decided that we were going to buy fireworks in Mexico. Even though our youth pastor had told us, don't buy fireworks. You can't bring them across. We had tons of people, you know, back here in Idaho that said, oh, it's... Get us some fireworks, right? It's not a big deal. They don't even care if you bring them back. They care. <laughs> Spoiler alert, they care. Um, let me just tell you, like Pastor Stan always says when he says, tells you these stories, that he was a good kid. I was a good kid. Like, I was dating the pastor's daughter. I mean, I was a good kid. My wife also was a pastor's daughter. This was a different pastor's daughter. as was a teenager at the time. And, um, but I was a good kid. I mean, I was by the book. My parents will probably, would probably tell you that. I've always said I was pretty easy to raise, but anyway, we're walking around, and we buy these fireworks, we're probably about $50 worth each, and they, you know, it's like cardboard these guys have made, and, you know, they tell you, this is an M80, and this is this, and this is that, and we're just pumped about it, because we, what we like to do is blow things up around the 4th of July, right, like every good 14, 15-year-old, and uh, we go to walk across, we'd also bought, uh, like, a blanket, and my friend had bought a tablecloth, and those kinds of things, and uh, we, we were trying to split it all up you know, evenly. So that should give you a cue right there that we knew we might get caught. But uh, we're walking through, we've got it wrapped up in our blankets and we walk up to the border guards and they say, you know, what did you buy today? And my friend Tim's like, I got, bought a tablecloth. I'm like, I bought a blanket. And the lady looks at me, she takes my blanket. She goes, oh really? You didn't buy any fireworks, huh? And I was like, again, I was a good kid. I wasn't used to this sort of thing. My friend Tim, I think he'd been down this road a time or two, but... Um, my, I was like, yeah, some fireworks. Is that illegal? Right? So she, she gets in the blanket, takes them all out, catches my friend Tim. They take us into this room, um, and they start giving us this lecture about how smuggling fireworks is the same as smuggling drugs, and it's very dangerous, and sure, it was dangerous, and all this good stuff. And uh, we're in there for a little while, and we don't know what they're going to do. And they make us put our hands behind our back and walk out of the room. And by that time, the rest of our mission trip team is, like, gathered there. So my girlfriend, the pastor's daughter, the youth pastor, everyone else, they're standing there. And we have to walk, you know, do the walk to the other room they take us into. And uh, they take out this book and they start comparing the stuff that we had bought to these uh, pictures saying, well, this one is going to cost you this much in fine. This one's going to cost you this much in fine. It was several hundred dollars. We didn't have several hundred dollars. And uh, so my youth pastor comes in, Terry Andrews. I'm sure he remembers this. And uh, you know, we had about 50 bucks and we owed several hundred dollars and he's exasperated. He says, can they just spend the night in jail? And <laughs> thankfully he was joking, obviously. And, uh, they let us off. We gave him all the money that we had. So we had to be broke the rest of the trip. And, uh, we got to walk out and, and go home with our friends. But the point of this is this, the border guards were the authority, right? They got to make the rules. The judgment we brought on ourselves was all the money we had in our pockets and thankfully nothing more. That's the way it worked. When there's an authority, you've got to obey it. Well, Jesus submitted to the authority. Uh, you can come up, Zach, if you're ready. Uh, so Jesus submitted to authority by obeying his parents and obeying other earthly authorities, and we should do the same. But most powerfully, friends, he submitted to the authority of his heavenly Father. As Jesus was preparing to go to the cross for us, he asked his Father, hoping against hope for another way. This always strikes me when I read this, Luke 22 Verse 42, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. I am certain from reading this that Jesus wished there was another easier way than what he knew he was about to have to go through. But he also loved us deeply and he was submitted to God, his Father. Jesus knew what it looked like to submit to authority on earth and also in heaven. So the question is, what does it look like for us? It doesn't mean that we just go with the flow and end up wherever life takes us. I'm certainly not 
not uh, saying that. Stand up for what's right. Do what you believe is right. Do what's in the word of God. It does mean that we are the best son or daughter we can be, the best parent we can be, the best employee we can be, and then we trust God to honor it. God, I have to submit to this person I don't like, but I'm going to do it, and I'm going to trust you to honor it. You see, friends, because Jesus numbered his days and lived them with intention, he knew what his purpose was. Jesus knew his purpose because he numbered his days. He was willing to ask questions, lean into that tension of this life and learn from those around him, even as the son of God on earth. He was willing to set a spiritual rhythm to his life to define his comings and goings. He went to the synagogue as was his custom. He was willing to submit to authority all the way to doing the will of his father on the cross. Submit to authority all the way to doing the will of his father on the cross. I want to leave you with this, friends. If you're searching for purpose, numbering your days is how you find it. If you're searching for purpose, numbering your days, doing your life with intention is how you find it. You can bow your heads this morning as we get ready to close. If you're here today and you hear me talking about Jesus, the Son of God, and it's a new thing to you, or maybe you're far away from, from God today, you know you are, um, I'm just going to count to three. And uh, we want to pray together with you as a church. We won't embarrass you, call you out. But if you're here this morning and you need to accept Christ for the first time, become a Christian, or rededicate your life, on the count of three, would you just raise your hand uh, so we can know to pray with you? One, two, three. didn't catch any of you, but I'll say this. Pastor Shannon always likes to, for the online crowd, if you need to ask Christ into your heart, it's a simple prayer. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins, and it'll change your life. Uh, more than that, friends, with your head still bowed, your eyes still closed. If you're here this morning, and uh, you felt God speaking to you about uh, putting some more purpose to your days, uh, answering those hard questions, respecting authority, uh, setting a spiritual rhythm. If you're here this morning, And you love for us to pray with you for that. Would you raise your hand so I can pray over you? Awesome, thank you. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you that you know every day there's no accidents with you. You knew every person that would be here, every word that I'd say, every song that we'd sing. And um, I pray you would impress upon each person here your presence. I pray you would give some of them the courage to lean into those questions, to ask the hard ones, to answer the hard ones. Lord, I pray you give uh, each of them um, the strength to go on those journeys with their kids, even if it means finding answers they don't like. Um, Lord, I pray you would help every one of us that's in this place to get better at living our life with you right in the middle of it, uh, to have your word at the forefront of our hearts, to worship each day, Lord Jesus, uh, to find space to meet with people who know you. But I pray you'd help us, especially, especially to be known as the ones who are submitted to the authority you've put above us. Lord, I pray you would help us uh, to be known as humble and kind, so we want to do whatever it takes to help our neighbor. Uh, Lord, I pray you'd help every one of us as we go over this next week to submit to the authority, whatever it is. Lord, we do pray as a church family, we pray over the election coming up, pray that your will would be done. Pray for your safety over this country, that you would guide and direct, you would give us peace in our hearts. I pray you would go with us from this place with your grace and your mercy. Jesus, in your name, we pray these things. Amen. Amen, amen. Friends, thank you so much for coming to church today. We're glad you were here. Uh, Everything's normal on Wednesday. Church, 7 o'clock. We're going to continue in Hebrews if you're one of the regular Bible study crowd. And then next Sunday, 9.30 and 11. Thanks for coming. Have a great day. We'll see you soon.